Praise the Lord. Well, here in Job chapter number 32, we're going to be beginning in verse number 7. And one of the things that we're looking at in this passage is, is the response that we sometimes have to hardships. And anybody that's ever read Job understands that Job went through a hard time. Uh, nobody would wish what Job went through on anyone. But Job did go through a hard time, and his friends were trying to understand why did this happen? Did you, you know, did you step on a crack and break your mama's back? What, what's going on? And, and he, they were trying to figure out what in the world did Job do to bring this upon himself? How many of you sometimes know we, we can just, if you'll just take a minute and step back and you'll sometimes think, how did I get myself in this situation? What, what am I doing in this situation like this? Or how did I get here? Sometimes you can get involved in something and things get out of hand. You, you can begin to go, you know, I'll just do this once, and then before you know it, you're so far away from God. You just wonder, how in the world did this happen? And, and, and all of us have those seasons, and hopefully it's not a long season, but some of us have those times, even in the, in the Gospels, you would see Peter, you would see Thomas or James and John, they would just begin to drift a little bit. And then the Lord ever so gently or strongly would pull them back where they need to be. And God is good whenever he sees his straying children, then he'll come after us. Amen? You, you, you know, Jesus told a parable. He said that if a, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them strays, he'll leave the 99 to go after the one. How many of you are glad of that? I'm glad when I was the one, he came after me. I know there was a specific time in my life I was not part of God's sheep. I know I was not part of the, the herd. I know I was alone and adrift, and I was on my way to perdition. I know that. But I'm so thankful that the shepherd came and rescued me. Amen? How many of you know that Jesus didn't physically come and rescue me? He operated through somebody else. Amen? He used someone else. He impressed upon their heart, and they saw me through all of my brokenness, and they shared the gospel with me and invited me to church. And I, I thank God that Jesus, through that person, brought me back into his fold. Amen? Well, sometimes we don't understand why we get in those situations, but uh, we're going to pick this up in, in Job 32, verse number 7. This is Elihu talking. He said, I... I said, days should speak, and the multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. And what, what Elihu was pointing to Job in this passage was, there's a way in which you can discern the seasons and the times. And, you know, if, if somebody, you know, does a certain thing, Natural reasoning and natural understanding will give you a little bit of an insight. But the reality of the matter is, there's a spirit in man. We're not just natural beings. There's a spirit in man, and only God can give us the understanding. You see, that it comes in a higher place than just a, an, an animalistic being and figuring out why did they go for the red bowl instead of the blue bowl. But it comes into a higher place and only God can give the inspiration and only God can give the understanding. You see, if you relegate yourself to just looking at 2 plus 2 equals 4 and you look at life that way and you say, well, I did this and I got that, you're not looking for God's hand in the situation. 
And you see, God is the one that gives us understanding. Now, you can look at it from a simplistic, naturalistic way, and you can see it from the way that the world sees it, but only God can give you an understanding for the situation. And I want you to see something that's so powerful. Because there's so many times that we go through situations in life that we don't understand why we're going through it. And what happens is we begin to call up Dr. Phil or we write a letter to the lady in the newspaper trying to find out why am I going through this situation. Or we ask our friends on Facebook or we just you know, try to drown out those issues and those sorrows and those questions. But if we'll just simply learn this, God understands what we're going through and he'll tell you. He'll tell you. How many of you know the greatest thing that you could get is advice from God? One of the scariest things is when God gives you over to yourself. There's a time in in some people's lives when we rebel against God over and over and over. God says, okay, have it your way. How many of you have been on the receiving end of that? You want that so bad? You don't want that. But have it your way. And sometimes we can be like that. We can rebel against God for so long that God begins to say, you know what? If you want that, you go for it. And, you, and you, how many of you know you'll face the repercussions for it? The wages of sin is death. Not nine out of ten times, ten out of ten times. The wages of sin is death. Every single time sin is tried, every single time compromise is given, every single time we begin to walk away from God, it will bring decay and death and sorrow. The wages of sin always, every time, and always will be death. God is there to bring life, but when we rebel against God and we do things our way and we begin to reason through the natural mind, we set ourselves up for sorrow. We set ourselves up for a hard life. But God is calling upon all men. He's calling upon us to lean not on our own natural understanding, but to trust Him in the situations of our life. And we see here that Job was beginning. Now, and as you know how Job's life went, it went really bad, really fast. And sometimes our life is parallel to that. Sometimes our life, we can begin to, you know, have things under control, have our bills paid. And then one thing, that one tire gets flat. And then before you know it, the whole car's spinning. And then you're in a ditch and you're stuck and you don't know how to get out. Well, whenever, whenever you're in a situation like this and you begin to find yourself where you don't belong and you begin to find yourself stuck in a situation like that, the worst thing you can do is try to fight through that yourself. The worst thing that we can do is try to use our own strength and our own wisdom and our own reasoning to get ourselves out of the situation we're in. In other words... It didn't matter how hard David would have hit Goliath. Nothing would have happened until David leaned on God. He could have brought a cannon. He could have brought a sword. He could have brought a shield. He could have brought everything. But nothing would have changed at all until David leaned on God. And then he took one little rock and he knocked out the giant. Well, see, that's how God is. God will cause us to do those types of things, and it, it defies natural logic. How many of you know the Bible says that God's ways are a little bit higher than ours? It says a lot. God's ways are higher than our ways. Amen? And I'm glad of that because that, that tells me 
that no matter what I'm going through in life, there's a greater work outside of me. That God has a master plan going on in our lives that we can't see sometimes. You may not know why you're in the situation you're in, and I'm here to tell you, you can't figure it out. If you need directions, you got to stop and ask somebody. We all got Google or, you know, iPhone maps, or we got a map, an old school map that you got to try to fold up when you're done. But, but whenever you're lost, you've got to stop and ask someone directions. And what I'm telling you is God knows the direction. We always make fun of guys because no guy ever likes to stop and ask for directions. No, no, no guy is willingly going to say, I'm lost. It takes humility to stop and say, I'm lost. But I'm here to tell you that none of us know. None of us understand. None of us have it all figured out. If you begin to lean on your own reasoning and your own understanding, you will set yourself up for failure. In fact, the enemy loves it whenever we begin to lean on our own understanding. Whenever we begin to try to figure things out ourselves, the enemy loves it because he smells blood in the water. He smells blood in the water whenever we begin to set ourselves up resisting the hand of God. Now, one of the things I want to get into on this is... is Elijah. How many of you know Elijah was a prophet of God? If you're a prophet of God, you expect a prophet of God to know God, hear from God, walking under the inspiration of God all the time. How many of you sometimes feel like you've been on that mountain? Like you've heard God, that God spoke to you. And then there's other times in your life where God's been silent. Elijah faced a hardship in his life. It, was, it came on the heels of his greatest victory. And sometimes after our greatest victory, we are the most vulnerable because that's when we stop praying. That's when we stop pressing in. That's when we stop holding on to God. And we begin to look at how far we've come. And we set ourselves up for failure sometimes that way. Let me show you this in 1 Kings chapter 19. Whenever Elijah, uh, just whenever he first got into the situation with the prophets of Baal, it didn't look good. The prophets of Baal far outnumbered the prophets of Jehovah. And sometimes we get in a situation where we are far outnumbered, but we have the victory in Jesus. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to pick up this, this passage whenever Elijah had just finished defeating all the prophets of Baal. The reason that I want to come into this place right here is because one of the biggest reasons that believers get derailed, one of the biggest reasons that we lose our place in God is when we begin to lean on our own understanding. When we begin to try to figure things out, ourselves. oh, I know why he did that. Oh, I, I, I know why that's happening. I know why this is going on. When we begin to try to figure things out from a humanistic level, we've forgotten the fact that God's ways are higher than ours. Amen? Think about this. Think about politics right now. Everybody's up in arms about politics. God's ways are higher than our ways. We, we only see from a humanistic level. And from a humanistic level, the devil can push you around. 
But if you'll take a step back and look and see that no matter how wicked or good a leader may be, God is still God. He's still the king of the universe, and we still have a direct line to him through Jesus Christ. All we have to do is call on the name of our Lord, and our Lord will come to our rescue. Look, God is not deaf. God is not hard of hearing. God hasn't forgotten our name. He's waiting on us to humble ourselves and seek his face and pray and repent of our wicked ways and then God will move in our generation. But how many of you know God will wait you out? God will wait you out. He's got more time on his hands than we do. We, we want God now and we want things to move now, but if we don't come to God the way he said to come to him, he'll wait you out. He'll say, fine, go at it that way. But until we humble ourselves and ask the Lord for the direction in which to go, how do I handle this? How am I supposed to look at this? How am I supposed to respond to this situation? We, if we don't do that, we will fight our battles in our own strength. And that's a recipe for disaster. Well, that's what I, I want to look at this with Elijah, because Elijah had this mountainous, revivalist moment. Every, you know, if you get into, you know, talking to people that talk about revival and everything, they're going to be talking about how Elijah called down that fire from heaven, and all the prophets of Baal died that day. All of them did. And yet, Elijah, that very evening, was running for his life. How did he go from a mountaintop experience to wanting to die? Because things didn't happen the way he thought. That's what I want you to get. Because that's when we set ourselves up for failure. This is not the way it's supposed to go, God. Wait, hold on. Is God not God? Is, is his way still not higher than my way? I, I, I may not wish it was like this, but God, I have to take a step back and say, Lord, you're still the author of this thing. You're still the one in control. It may not have gone the way I wanted it to go, but I have to take a step back and say, Lord, your way, not mine. Just like Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, your will, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. And that's what we have to come to grips with in our lives or we'll set ourselves up to be derailed by the enemy. Well, Elijah here, like I said, he was on this mountaintop experience. He, he called down the fire from heaven. All the prophets of Baal died that day. And then he thought that revival was going to sweep the land. He thought, look, if, if we do it like this and this comes, man, everybody's going to turn to Jehovah. How many, of you how many times do you feel like, you know what, if I could just get that one thing, everything will fall into place? If I could just get that one thing, everything will fall into place. Well, is that your way or God's way? You know what I mean? If I could just get that one job, everything, if I could just get on there, if I could just do this, everything will fall into place. Well, that's what Elijah thought. He thought after all the prophets of Baal died, the whole nation would be given over to worshiping our God. But it didn't happen. Didn't happen. Oh, Jezebel said, this night, this day, you're going to die. She was ready to kill him for what he did. Now, if you just faced these thousands of, of prophets of Baal and they were all killed that day and you called down fire from heaven, you saw the hand of God in a miraculous way and you saw all the prophets of Baal die before your very eyes. 
you wouldn't really fear Jezebel. It wasn't Jezebel that scared him. It was because that mountain didn't move. He had thought one thing and another thing happened. It wasn't Jezebel. She was, she was not like 6'5", 310 pounds and all muscular. He wasn't scared of her. It was because he thought that things were going to work out this way and it didn't. In other words, he got disillusioned. And what I want to point out to you before we read the scripture is that Elijah was a prophet. That's a warning because no matter how close your walk is with God, if you allow yourself to get disillusioned, you'll be in the same boat he was. Some little old lady, some little old girl can say one thing and cause you to fear, cause you to flee. Disillusionment will take the strongest of the people of God and weaken them and cause them to run the opposite way, cause them to run from God. And as you see, as we're about to read, Elijah was ready to, that, for God to take his life. He was done. When you've, get, when you've gotten burned and you've gotten, you know, just the, the lemon in your face, Life just gave you lemons. And you're tired of asking how to make lemonade. He says lemon after lemon after lemon. It's disillusionment. And what happened was Elijah was just ready to go home. Just take me home, Lord. Just take me home. How many of you feel like that sometimes? It's just this is not the way it's supposed to be. But who's the Who's the author? Because if, if God's the author, then we have to take a step back and say, Lord, evidently I've missed something. It's not the way I would want it to go, but your way, not mine. Your will, go, your will God, not mine. Your glory, not mine. And that's whenever you begin to see things from God's perspective. Here in 1 Kings chapter 19, it says, in verse number 4, it says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came, sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Can I tell you what happened? He did not understand. I, I, I'll tell you, there's things that happen in my life I don't understand. It's not, it, it's not that you're supposed to understand everything, but you're supposed to understand who understands uh, our understanding as we just read it from job uh, chapter number 32 understanding comes from the spirit of god if you only look at things from a naturalistic humanistic way you'll never get the understanding in a situation that god has for you and you'll set yourself up to be derailed and you'll find yourself under a juniper tree asking for god to do something that is not god's will for you because God has a better plan for your life than you do. He's God. You will limit yourself. But God's got a plan for your life to use you. Not to glorify you. Don't let the devil whisper to you. God's not out to glorify you. The glory's His. The end of man, the chief end of man is to glorify God. It's all about His glory. But when we begin to get on plan with God, God will begin to use you that he would receive glory. And that's when you begin to see the hand of God in your life. Now, 
Now we see here that, that Elijah, a prophet of God, a man of God who heard from God. How many of you know one of the qualifiers for the job to be a prophet is you have to be able to hear from God. You have to be able to have a, a line of communication with God. If you're going to be a prophet of God, you need to hear from God or you'll prophet lie instead of prophesy. Amen? It happens. But Elijah, he had to have connection with God or he wouldn't be a prophet. And yet, even though he had a close walk with God, things didn't happen the way he wanted them to happen, and he got disillusioned. You could call it depression. You could call it walking in darkness. You can call it just a down season. But he was disillusioned. And what I say is that the enemy began to derail him from the plan and the purpose for his life. God's ways, though, are higher. And we're going to learn something from Elijah here before we move on. It, 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 nothing would have changed in Elijah's life until God opened his understanding. And I want you to know what, what took place. Now move down with me. I want to show you this. Look at verse number 11. Now the Lord came down to Elijah and began to speak to him and he said, in verse number 11, he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, breaking pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. What? What? Why did God do this this way? I'll tell you why I believe that God used a still small voice to restore Elijah. Because communion had to be restored. He was waiting on Elijah to come before him. And Elijah could have gone the other way. When God said, go stand up on that mountain and, and you wait there until there's a, the, the wind and the earthquake and the fire. You wait there until you hear my voice. Elijah could have just kept walking, but he decided to go up on that mountain and stand there through the wind, the earthquake, and the fire, and then God's voice came. And then God's voice came. What I'm putting before you right now is that nothing, absolutely nothing in Elijah's situation or circumstance changed except he heard God's voice. His communion with God was restored. And when his communion with God was restored, he was a restored man. He began to come off that mountain a different way than the way he went up it. He came up that mountain broken, disillusioned, and ready to die. And he came down that mountain on fire for God. And what changed? He heard a still, small voice. It, it, it wasn't fireworks that he needed. It wasn't a pat on the back or a raise from his boss. It wasn't that he needed a spouse or he needed a child or he needed a this or a that or a who's it or a what's it. What did he need? He needed communion with God. And, and what I want you to hear and I, what I want you to understand is no matter what the battle is and no matter how disillusioned you are, no matter how far you've been derailed, all you need is one word from God. All you need is one word from God. You don't need pastor to do jumping jacks in church. 
You don't need fireworks to shoot off the platform and you don't need donkeys to ride on at church. You need to hear from God. You need one word from the king and it will change your life. It will change your perspective. It will set you on a different trajectory than the one that the enemy has you on. But if we're honest folks, and I hope that you are since you're in church, but if we're honest folks, we should realize that there are definitely times in our life that we find ourselves in a season or in a situation that we don't understand why it happened this way. And when you're in that place, you're just like Elijah was. And what you need in that season is a word from Jesus. What you need in that season is a word from God. What you need in that season is to know and understand that God loves you and He will, listen, He will transpose time. He will come out of eternity into our natural reality and He will speak a word directly into your heart so that you'll know and understand He is your God. He's in control. He's the author. He's the finisher. And His ways are higher than our ways. We don't know why, but we know who to go to. We don't know why this is happening, but we know who the author is. And we know who to go to in our time of need. And and we can commend Elijah for this. When God said, come up this mountain and listen to me, he went. And what we need to do and understand is this. When you find yourself derailed, when you find yourself in a season, uh, uh, whenever I was praying, I was thinking about it this way. Sometimes we get stunned. Sometimes life events happen so fast we get stunned. You know what it's like whenever you get bad news after bad news after bad news, you just become oblivious to anything else going on. They could have helicopters and fireworks going on around you, but you're just in a fog. You're stunned. And sometimes we can be derailed and disillusioned so much that we're like that. And that's where Elijah was. And yet, what changed everything was one word from Jesus. And and what I want to put before you right now is this. When you find yourself in a season like that, go up to that mountain. Get alone with God. Get alone with God, come up to that mountain and press into the Spirit of God and wait there until God speaks to you. Don't leave when the earthquake comes. Don't leave when the wind starts rocking. Don't leave when the fire falls because all that will come and go. But what you need to wait for is that still, small voice from God. And I will remind you, one of my favorite scriptures after I got saved was over there in in, in the book of John chapter 10. He said that my sheep, My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. But I just love that. My sheep hear my voice. And I I said, Lord, I'm one of your sheep. Can I hear your voice? I may not be a big sheep or I may not be all that in a bag of chips, but I'm one of yours. And that scripture there in John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. And if you'll go up to that mountain and you'll turn off Facebook and you'll turn off the TV and you'll get in that prayer closet. And look, despite what they show you today, you don't have to tell people when you fast. You don't have to tell people when you pray. You just go get alone. Don't let anybody know. Don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Don't let your your flesh get glory in the situation. But press into God. Press into God until you hear that still, small voice. Because I promise you, 
I promise you, when you go through and your life's been turned upside down, what Elijah did not need in that moment was somebody to come and say, it's going to be all right, brother. That's what we do. But that wasn't going to help. Have you ever been in a situation where it wouldn't help if somebody said, it's going to be all right, brother? Or it's going to be okay, sister. You say, I understand, but I'm in a situation here. When you're in the boat... When you're in the boat, it's way different. I remember telling a friend that was going through, I mean, his world was just blown to pieces. And I told him, I said, from the outside looking in, I can tell you everything I know to tell you. But with you. It's far easier to talk about somebody when you're not in the boat with them. You tell them, oh, just hold on. You hold on for me. I'm ready to let go. Well, that's what Elijah, Elijah was ready to let go. But what did he need? He didn't need somebody to come and give him a, a piece of candy. He didn't need somebody to, 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 to give him a card or a flower. What did he need? He needed to hear God's voice. And I'll tell you, what you need in your life is God's voice. And, and you need to do whatever you got to do to hear it. You might, have to, you might have to cut friends out of your life. You might have to stop going here or stop going there. You might have to downsize certain things, but the most important thing for you is God. The most important thing you can do is cultivate your walk with God to the point where you hear his voice. Whatever it takes, those things have to be gone. Elijah would not have heard God's voice if he would have went down there to the restaurant. If he would have went down to the party, if he would have went to the ball game, if he would have went here or went there, he wouldn't have heard God's voice. He had to separate himself from everything else and come away unto God. And when you need to hear from God, you're going to have to come away from the things of life. You're going to have to separate yourself from those things and listen for him. Amen? Why is it so important that we do this? Why is it so important that we do this? Because God loves you. And God wants to get you through what you're going through. But you've got to trust God. Amen? Let me show you something in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, that nothing changed in Elijah's life until communion was restored. Isn't that powerful? It was communion that needed to be restored. And I just think it's powerful because Elijah was this man of God, and he almost didn't make it. We, we look at Elijah today, and we're like, man, he's a prophet of God. He almost didn't make it. Jonah was a prophet of God. He almost didn't make it. So, you know, it's not about having everything just easy cheesy. It is about learning to cultivate that relationship with God so that you'll hear his voice and obey his commands. Well, here in in Luke chapter 8, we're going to pick up a, a familiar passage. This is whenever the disciples were in the boat with the Lord. And anytime you begin to see a story with the Lord in a boat, it's always powerful. It's always powerful. It says in verse number 22 of Luke 8, it says, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Pause. Did Jesus just say, let's go over to the other side? Do you think that he stuttered or stammered? Do you think he was tricking them? 
From, from all that we know, let's just stop right there. Jesus said, we're going to make it to the other side. Fair enough? For, but what happened between Jesus saying that and them going to the other side was chaos. You, you could say it like this, easier said than done. But Jesus spoke it. He said, we're going to the other side. They were on dry land. They were on a safe shore. You know, they didn't, they didn't have sea legs. They were good. And Jesus said, we're going to make it to the other side, yo. We're going to make it to the other side. And then they launched out. And everything fell apart. Everything fell apart. Everything went wrong. Everything that, that was supposed to be right, it was not a smooth sailing ship. I thought we were going to make it to the other side, Jesus. He didn't say it was going to be smooth. He just said, you're going to make it through. Right? When, when, when God says you're going to make it through a situation, you're going to make it through the situation. Now, you might bellyache, and you might yell, and you might not like the way you're going, but if God's driving the boat, guess what? It's good. He knows how to get us to the other side. And He'll show us in the process that He's still God. And He understands what we're going through. You may not understand why you're going through that, but God does. God will, God will cause us to go through certain situations in order to grow us. Or maybe we're just there like, you know, look at Job right now. Look at Job. Was God really growing Job? No. But what did God grow? Us through seeing God work in Job. Maybe God's using you to instruct someone else because he knows you won't let go. Is that not okay with you? That if God is still God, He knows that you won't let go. And because you won't let go, somebody else won't let go. And here's Job going through all kinds of chaos. He didn't bring it upon himself. God allowed it to happen because He knew Job would not curse Him. And Job held on to his righteousness with God. And because of that, we can take a step back and we can say, hey, when I go through a hard time, I know, I know God still reigns. God still reigns. He gives and He takes away, but still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's exactly what Job did. And because Job did that, we can say that. But maybe God's using you to get someone else. You know how we are. We're always like, it's all about us. And it is about us when we're going through it, but what I want you to know is you'll make it through it if you'll listen to God's voice in it. God took time. He took time to come down from the throne and speak into the heart of Elijah. And God's no respecter of persons. If Elijah needed a word from God, if Elijah needed a still small voice, how much do you know that because you're a blood-bought child of God and the Holy Spirit lives within you, God will not, shall not withhold His voice from His children. When you need God, He'll be there because He's good. 
And you're a blood-bought, born-again child of God. How much more, right? How much more for us? Now watch this. He says, Jesus said, let's go, and they launched forth. But, there you go, right there. Very next verse. But, but everything fell apart. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose, rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm, and he said unto them, Where is your faith? Where's your faith? It can't be in your circumstance. Your faith can't be in the fact that wind never comes upon your boat. Your faith cannot be upon the fact that water never comes into the boat every now and then. Your faith cannot be in the fact that, the, that nothing's going wrong. Your faith must rest in what God said. Your faith must rest in, in, in exactly what Jesus said. Their faith was supposed to be in the fact that they were going to make it to the other side. I suppose that boat could have sank all the way down to the bottom. They could have got swallowed by a fish like Jonah, and that fish could have brought them to the other side. It didn't really matter to God how they were going to get there. Just the fact that God said, you're going to make it to the other side, should have told them, no matter what happens, we're going to make it. We're going to make it to the other side. Where is your faith at? Is your faith in your circumstance or in your God? Because what I see in our nation right now is a lot of people beginning to get derailed because they're putting their faith in politicians. They're putting their faith in money. They're putting their faith in jobs. They're putting their faith in the things of the world. They're using natural reasoning and natural understanding to try to figure out the day and time in which we live. But my Bible tells me that in the last days, many people will fall away from the faith because they will be deceived by the dark times that we live in if we don't hold on to God and listen to his voice, we will likewise begin to falter, begin to falter in those last days. There is a derailing that takes place when you take your eyes off of Jesus. When you begin to look at the wind and you look at the water coming into the boat, you begin to forget the fact that Jesus said you're going to make it. It's not about you learning how to row the boat. It's about you trusting the one that's in the boat with you. Is God in the boat with you? If God's in the boat with you, I'm here to tell you it's going to be okay. If God's not in the boat with you, I'm here to tell you no matter what you do, it's not going to be okay. You can paddle as hard as you want, but until God gets in the boat with you, you're going to be fighting against the wind. But until you come to that place where you understand Jesus says, where's your faith? Means that He's calling you to look to Him. He's not calling you to look within yourself. He's not calling you to double down your effort. He's not calling you to sharpen your pencil and try to figure it out. He's calling upon you to look to Him. Where's your faith calls the child of God back to that place where you first were saved. 
Back to that place where you first received that Holy Spirit. Back to that song we sang, I surrender all. Where is your faith means stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to figure it out yourself and lean on God. Lean on God. And what you'll find is God will meet you there. Where is your faith at, church? Who is your faith in? I, be, I believe right now we see many people uh, beginning to, to lose heart. Many people beginning to lose heart. Many people beginning to lose faith. Many people beginning to lose their confidence. But I'm telling you, it's because their confidence is not in God, but in their circumstance. Look to Jesus. He's better than your circumstance. He's better than your circumstance. we, we, We were talking about Job, but look at Job's life. Everything blew up, but God put it back together. God can do that. He is God. He is God. Amen? So let me show you this. Um, Turn with me real quick, if you will, to to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I just want to show you this, and then we're going to close back in Proverbs. 2 Timothy chapter 3. You know, the reason I'm showing you this is because Jesus said, where is your faith? And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. You can't have faith in yourself. You can't have faith in what you want or what you hope. You can't speak it into existence. You're not God. God is the one who speaks and causes things to be. He calls those things which are not as though they are. If you go back and look in Hebrews, it's God that does that. God's the one that does that. Our faith rests in what God says. If he said it, I believe it. They used to have a saying, and that settles it. But if God said it, you can believe it, it'll be done. If God said it. And here I want you to see something. It says in verse number 16, all scripture. Does it say that? All scripture is what? It's given by inspiration. Stop right there. That word inspiration means God breathed. When you look at the Bible, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt This is a God-breathed book. Inspiration comes from God. That word actually means God-breathed. So when the prophets of old took up their pen, God breathed and caused them to write what he wanted them to write. You may not have thought about this, but I want you to think about it right now. Think about God being in eternity, a timeless, spaceless, formless place where there's no material, no light, nothing. It's just God. And God chose to transpose eternity and, and, and move into our natural reality. And he put on the heart of these people, he breathed, and they wrote. So what he wrote through their hand is God's communication from eternity to you. Meaning this, meaning this. If it's, if it's in the Bible, if it's Scripture, God means it for you so that you'll know Him. God means it for you so that no matter what you're going through, you'll have direction for your life. God breathed 
He inspired the Word of God. He inspired the Bible. He did not stutter or stammer. He didn't scratch this out and use white out. God spoke in the prophets of old wrote. In this scripture, God breathed from eternity to our reality so that we'll know the hand of God in our life. God understands. In other words, God understands that you may take water in your boat. He understands the wind and the waves will come against your boat, but He spoke from eternity to your reality so that you'll know where your faith should be. So that you'll know where your faith should be. Your faith should not be in a man, in a church, in a denomination, in a person, in a place, in money, or in your health. Your faith should not be in any of those things. Your faith should be in what God hath said. Period. Period. Now, this is, this is important because I want you to see this. It is, I'm not telling you that you need to put your confidence in me. I'm not telling you to put your confidence in them or her or him or us or that. I'm telling you to look to God. I'm telling you to look to what God said. He took the time, literally, he made time. He took the time to cross through eternity into our reality so that you would get a message that he's with you. That he'll never forsake you. That you're his child. You belong to him. There's a bloodline over your life that the enemy cannot cross. The enemy cannot curse what God has blessed. Now watch this. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to close right here in Proverbs 3. It is the Spirit of God that reveals truth to us. The Spirit of God causes us to receive from God so that we're not deceived by the devil. The Spirit of God is what brings the revelation and He causes us to receive so that we're not deceived. God is calling us in the season in which we live. You know, sometimes, like I said earlier, you you can get involved in a situation and things can get out of control really fast. Things can get out of hand. As they used to say, quicker than you can shake a stick at. Things can get out of control really fast. For you. God hadn't lost control. It may be the fact that you're not in control anymore. But you need to know that God's still in control. He has not released control from your life. He's still your God. He still rules and reigns. He still can work in your life. Watch this. This is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not under thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Can I tell you that God's calling us to stop leaning on our own understanding? To stop trying to figure things out from a natural perspective? 
Well, if so-and-so wins that election, we're done. Well, if the dollar bill goes under, we're done. Well, if they fire me at work, I'm done. You're not done. God is still God. Well, if that doctor tells me this, I'm done. No, you're not. God is still God. Well, if they leave me, I'm done. No, you're not. God is still God. Stop leaning on your own understanding and start trusting God with all your heart. Don't trust God with just what you can see. Trust God with what you can't see. Trust God with that which you can't control anymore. It's easy to say you trust God when everything's rosy. But it's when your world falls apart that that reality comes to the surface. Where's your faith? Where's your faith is what he's... And I love that. He told the disciples, where's your faith at? He didn't say, all right, this is everything you did wrong. When Jesus says, where's your faith, he's not there just to bring you down. He's there to lift you back up. He's there to point you back to himself. When he says, where's your faith? He's directing you to a certain thing. He's directing you. He's telling you ever so lovingly that you've begun to put your faith in the wrong thing. And when you put your faith in the wrong thing, you set yourself up to be derailed and deceived. But when you come back to that place and you say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you with all my heart. I I don't know how you're going to do this, and I'm not going to tell you how you're going to do this, but I trust you with it. I trust you with it. If you'll trust God, it says in the very next verse, He'll direct your path. He'll direct your path. How many of you need direction from God? We need direction from God. Well, I got some good news and bad news for you. The good news is God still reigns. The bad news is we're in for a dark season. The Bible says that things will get worse before the Lord comes back. People will be deceived and being deceived. Some folks will fall away from the faith. What we have to do as God's people is to trust Him with all our heart. In the season in which we're in, we need to cultivate a heart for God. A heart for God. You know, sometimes, you, like I said earlier, you might need to cut off Facebook and just seek Him. Just pray. Go up that mountain like Elijah so that you can hear that still, small voice. You can't buy that. You can't get that at a conference or in a bookstore. You can't even get that sometimes in church. You've got to go up that mountain and get alone with God and shut the door and get on your face before the King of Kings and tell the Lord, I'm not putting a stopwatch on you. I'm not timing you. I'm not demanding of you. I just need you. And when you come to God and you, you, you trust Him with all your heart and you lean not on your own understanding, God shall direct your path. He'll give you direction. The season in which we're in right now, can we say we need God's direction? Because people lie right now. The media lies. Politicians lie. 
And you, this is a good politician. They never lie. They lie. You don't know what to believe sometimes, but you need to believe God. God said we're going to make it to the other side. Where's your faith? Do you believe him? If you do, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust him with all your heart. He'll lead you. Amen?